Suppose, let me tell you a really fun fact about Arabian horses. They usually have a very finely chiseled head, they have a dished face, a long arching neck, and they just end up floating through when they run. That's what they're usually described as. And they are apparently exuding energy, intelligence, courage, and nobility all the time. That sounds awful lot like Ferrari this year. And what a time to sound like that, right? Because we're up here in Saudi Arabia for the Jeddah Grand Prix this weekend. And Ferrari does feel like an Arabian horse in every single way that I described. But the Arabian horse has a big challenger this weekend. And is it going to be Red Bull? And can that horse even finish the race? There's all of that and more to be discussed in this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pix the Podium. So let's go. Hi folks, welcome back in. My name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of the Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar, joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. And uh, Saudi Arabia, firstly, it's a tradition that I don't think we're going to end up rather soon. But crazy that we're back in Saudi Arabia for an F1 race just I think a couple of months after the last one. But the context, Kunal, seems to be just as exciting. We don't have a title battle yet, but just what looms around for this race is pretty interesting. Yes, we don't have a title battle. The main title battle is going to be between who's going to be number one at Ferrari. Carlos Sainz mm. needs to win if the Ferrari is actually a quick car. He needs to win this weekend. He needs to out-qualify Charles. And that's literally going to be the one story to follow this Grand Prix weekend, Samuel. And like I said, it's not a title battle. But being number one in that Ferrari is going to be so key. Because mm. just in case the Red Bulls or the Mercedes has come fighting, then the lead Ferrari is the one who will start getting the preference. And Carlos Sainz definitely doesn't want to be a wingman to Charles Leclerc, right? But Samuel, this is actually a double header. Although if you were to consider the, the, mm. the second preseason test, it's a triple header already at the opening end of the season. And uh, the other interesting part is that, uh, you know, the... There are very diverse layouts of circuits that these cars are going to go racing at, uh, literally in the opening part of the season. You know, we saw how Bahrain was. Saudi's going to be full about high speeds and all those flowing mm. corners and the likes. And uh, I'm wondering, are you looking forward to the 27-odd corners, Samuel? Do you remember the corners? Yes or no? Uh, no, because they sound a lot like Mac formulas, right? Well, one might be theta, one might be pi, one might be, <laughs> I don't know, 2x square, pi r square, something like that. I don't know, they're also similar. I mean, in terms of characteristics, they aren't, but they just don't have a character in terms of the name, which is what you can say with many Formula 1 circuits, but Jeddah certainly does have character when you drive on it, right? And speaking of character, I want to talk about Carlos Sainz, because that has to be our big story for this weekend. Because think about it. For, for years, right, Carlos Sainz was always perceived as the wingman, the, the B player, right? Someone who's not, not your leading guy for the team. And that's until he came to McLaren where things were rather close. But he, he kind of emerged as one of the better drivers. I and mean, you still can't probably put a finger and say he was the better one or not. But his, Im- his image and his reputation did grow to such a fair bit that he ended up going to Ferrari and beating Charles. And he still doesn't have that number one status secured. And you're so right, Kunal. The moment that other teams come around, Ferrari won't be scared about swapping around, right, swapping around the drivers because they want a clear number two. So this is probably a battle for supremacy in a way in terms of the teams. I mean, it's, it's like a tribe of lions. If you don't end up beating the top one, you're out of the clan in a way. It is so true. And, you know, it's easier for all of us, including maybe Ferrari as well, 
to assume that Charles mm. will just be the wingman, right? So in mm. because so, sorry, Carlos will be the wingman because Carlos. Charles is the prodigal son. You know, he's the one that's going to bail Ferrari out of its woes and give them the title, and that's how. You know, that's what he did even with Sebastian Vettel. He outperformed Vettel when he when he was there, which is why, you know, that battle for supremacy in in Ferrari, mm. I think Carlos Sainz has to work a little bit harder to A, change the perception and then B, also change the reality should it come that way, Sonal. Yeah, exactly. But he's got some task ahead of him, no? Because Leclerc seems like in full flow. I think the big question is going to be, is... I mean, was what happened in Bahrain more of a track-specific thing for Carlos Sainz? Or is it just that he's not getting used to the car? Because if that's the latter, I mean, we clearly know what the pecking order is in Ferrari in that case. It's a it's a good question. In fact, a lot of the pecking order was a track-specific in Bahrain. That's also a question mm. that will get answered this weekend. Someone was Ferrari's form track-specific? Were Red Bull's issues track-specific? Uh, so mm. lots of lots of questions, and like I said, you know, at the at the start of the episode, that we are going to such diverse circuit just at the start of the season, that a the engineers and b the cars, and and hence of course the the drivers are all going to be challenged in different ways. And I know it's like you know Sundaram, the F one stats guru, put out this is like the fifth consecutive night race uh, ever. You know, it's like a record in Formula One by itself. It's also I think it's only 111 days since the last race in Saudi Arabia. So that's going to happen. But, you know, just one last point, or at least in my mind about Ferrari, is I remember Charles last year was on the radio saying he was feeling dizzy midway through the race. Now, let's hope Mm. he and or the other drivers don't end up feeling dizzy because the corners can come to you really quick and fast, as we know from last year, Samuel. It's a bit like Rainbow Road in Arabia, that is. But remember, Carlos Sainz was struggling last year at this particular circuit as well. So if if that's the case, I don't really know. Things are looking a bit interesting. If one of their drivers was was feeling dizzy and the other one just crashed all the time over there, hmm, if last year is anything to go by, that would mean Red Bull would have an upper hand. But we just don't know about the pecking order, right? Which is, I think, the next thing we should ideally talk about because... Leclerc versus Verstappen isn't a guarantee here. As we said, science could maybe come in the way. Sergio Perez, if he's good enough, could also be there. And considering that this is maybe a circuit where you would potentially see more upgrades as teams develop their car more, who knows, maybe a few other teams could join in, right? This is, this is that really crazy part of the development phase where things could just change so rapidly and so dramatically. As you're right, you know, typically these are considered as flyaway races, races outside of the European continent are considered flyaway races. Now, over the years, teams would not have as many upgrades coming in because you got to cross borders, you got to cross continents. Uh, you know, the travel times are just mm. that much longer. But, you know, from this season, in fact, from, from the last couple of seasons, you can see that teams are bringing in upgrades even to these flyaway races, especially and even more so for the 2022 Formula One season because... You know, the, the, the points are up for grabs, as we saw last weekend. You know, you just have to be there. you got to make sure you're doing the best you can. So, instead of planning, say, three, five, seven races down the line, teams are bringing upgrades literally race by race down the line. We've seen Mercedes is, you know, at least brought a rearing package with trimmed downforce as, as the images have been doing the rounds of social media and the likes. And then we will also see during show and tell. So, 
Will Mercedes be back mm. in the fight? Can they make it a three-way battle, which is what we'd love to see? Or will they still finish ab- about a minute down uh, on the lead car mm. if we have a no-safety car race? And like I said, you know, safety car could also be an equation come Sunday. But that we can leave for later, Samal. Exactly. But it kind of raises a question that you and me were discussing before the recording canal. Is Mercedes already forgotten in a way? Because they're so much in their own zone, much like, say, Red Bull back in 2018. It just seems like there's, there's not a direct or immediate way up there. So, I mean, it could very well happen that we kind of forget about Mercedes this year because they're just in a league of their own. Uh, not, not in the league of their own kind of 2014, 2017 kind of ways, but league of their own in the sense that they just don't have any competitor, which also makes me wonder, do they really not have any, any competitor? Because Gunther Steiner said that our form could change depending on track to track. Now, this means that they could even go better than Bahrain or even worse than Bahrain, which means that the midfield model is still that. It's still the model. We don't know who's up there and who's not. We don't know who's up there and who's not. And everybody who scored points, will they be still in the points? Can Aston Martin bounce back? Can, uh, you know, can Alpine go stronger? Because Fernando Alonso said uh, that, uh, you know, there are no excuses for Alpine in this uh, new era of Formula One. So, Again, how many things will be track-specific? You know, I I suspect tyres will still be an issue when it comes to overtaking, as we've seen tyres, you know, were sort of holding drivers back, uh, so, uh, you know, in in, uh, Bahrain. But uh, will the brakes also continue to be a problem? Mm. Would they have fixed all the braking issues that they experienced and so on? So, lots of questions to, you know, look forward to for this weekend, Samuel. We will get answers, not maybe all of them, not 100% answers, especially, you know, questions like, are the cars able to follow each other better? Is uh, You know, that's another big uh, question that's going to be doing the rounds. But again, we won't have 100% answers this weekend. But it's our job to keep uh, asking them, Saul. Absolutely. I think, if anything, this circuit will give us the best idea about can they follow? Because there are so many corners, one after the other. It, it really matters to see if the cars can stay behind each other. Right? That's going to be the critical point that we're going to get to see. But also, the, the visual difference, Kunal. Uh, we were talking about it last week, or rather, everyone else apart from us was talking about it last week, that the cars look considerably slower on TV. Now, I didn't personally feel that that was much of a problem, again, because at the end of the day, you want good racing and not maybe the highest of speeds in the world, right? So this is fine. I think the wheel car was made a world of difference. But compared to last year, this will be like the most extreme visual difference because Jeddah last year felt like the cars were literally on rails. If these cars look slower, in terms of the TV broadcast uh, perception of it, this will seem absurd. And these cars do seem slower to me, at least on camera. You know, there are certain angles, certain corners. And like like we've been told, right, they're faster through the fast corners and slower through the slow corners. So that sort of doesn't, uh, uh, you know, help uh, in its own ways. But yeah, I I think the ability to follow each other, the ability to see if they are actually visually slower uh, will, will be striking even more so if we were to compare a lap in 2021 Saudi Arabia versus 2022. Saudi Arabia, because I know in 2021, those cars looked ferociously quick. And and yeah. I still remember, it's like going through a high-speed roller coaster. I mean, even though being in a Formula One car is like a, a high-speed roller coaster. And talking of high speeds, you know, some of the teams have released data. 80% of the lap is on full throttle. Will we see more power units blow up? Will we see more cars 
run out of fuel. And since we were talking about asking the questions, what exactly happened to Red Bull in Bahrain? We may never know the answer, but could we get some more hints this weekend? in Saudi Arabia that's mm-hmm. another thing to look uh, look out for all eyes will be on red bull because i'll put it this way they're the only team if the pecking order remains the same which is ferrari red bull mercedes red bull was the only team that could take the battle to ferrari and of course they uh, they didn't win that battle up even even if they would have finished the race they would have finished second uh, will red bull take more gambles to try and outpace Ferrari because Ferrari just seemed like far more comfortable, uh, you know, with everything yeah. that was thrown at them. So maybe it's time for Red Bull to see if they need to take more gambles uh, to get back out ahead, uh, you know, where they think their car belongs, Samuel. Yeah, they can push harder now because there's apparently this rule change that you can change your gearbox before Saturday. So I think on Saturday, that is, the teams will be more inclined to push harder. So that could be one case, right? Health circuit, street circuits like this one. But the interesting part is we're just going to find out if this is actually a good track for racing or if last year was just artificially a very good race. Because of all the Max and Lewis drama, that Saudi Arabia felt like a bit of a turning point of the season, right? So it's also going to be a fun test for the circuit itself to see if this one is really a good one or not. But finally, Kunal, the regulars, will we see them struggle? Will we see them do better? McLaren is one team that comes to mind. Alfa Romeo did really well last time out. We're all really confused about where Alpine stands. So, we cannot get more answers about that. Yes, and even Aston Martin, you know, where mm. where on earth are they in the pecking order? The general belief is that Mercedes-powered teams, including Mercedes, are the ones who sort of struggled, while Ferrari and Ferrari-powered teams have actually done better. So, will Alfa Romeo mm. be in sauber mode as we, you know, we saw them? Will Haas mm. be the ones making all the strides forward? Will Mick Schumacher finally try and have an answer to Kevin Magnussen's sensational return that we saw in Bahrain? So, again, like we've been doing, we've just asked all the right questions, uh, Somil, and hopefully we will keep getting answers as they come. And uh, my heart goes out to Sebastian Vettel. He's missing the second yeah. race in a row. Nico Hulkenberg is back in the car. Not that I have a problem, but I don't think Sebastian's really missing a lot, is he? (laughs) You're right about that. Aston Martin are really struggling badly, and this weekend just could make it worse. But just one thing to end this episode on, and one thought to end this episode on. Should F1 keep on continuing racing in Saudi Arabia? I know it's a perpetual question. We're always going to ask it every single year, so might as well do that this time out as well. But that question, I think F1 will say, yes, we're getting the money, so why not? But... I'm interested to see what kind of stance all the drivers take this year because we've seen so many other people come out and wear rainbow-colored shoes and rainbow-colored T-shirts and whatnot here in Saudi Arabia just as a passive way of protesting against it. Interesting how the drivers will respond to this time, especially Lewis. Especially Lewis. And this is where I'll miss Sebastian Vettel the most because he was most vocal along with Lewis about this whole situation of racing in countries with questionable Morals, if that's the word I may use. I don't know mm. if it's a very strong word or not. But yeah, should they race in Saudi Arabia? Well, it's a very, very tricky, very political question. Uh, F1 is a capitalistic sport, so they will race whoever pays their money and then keep making statements to sort of prove why they're doing so. In which case, you know, you can ask saying maybe they should have just raced in Russia as well. But, you know, uh, yeah. maybe there are bigger, maybe there are bigger gains of letting Russia go. That's opened up a very vital slot 
in the calendar, which uh, Qatar will pay money for, at least in 23, I assume. Yeah. And then Las Vegas, there's a rumor that they will announce uh, the race in Las Vegas uh, closer to Thanksgiving. So who knows? At the moment, all we know is that uh, we're going to be racing in Saudi for several years to come. And like I think the Motorsport magazine pulled out, you know, they've been racing. Formula One's been racing in Bahrain since 15, 17 years. And Stefano, you know, has been very vocal saying uh, Formula One can force uh, countries to reconsider their stances based on the power they bring. But I don't think that anything mm. would have changed specifically in these 15, 17 years that they've raced in Bahrain Samal. So we will keep asking the question just the way you keep introducing this episode saying, Howdy Arabia. <laughs> exactly. No, that's such a fun way to put it. But again, at the end of the day, uh, if anything, it kind of adds to it because Saudi Arabia didn't kind of say, Oh, F1's coming. Let's clean up our human rights record. They just build the fastest, I mean, they just build the fastest circuit in the world in the fastest time possible. So, uh, there's a parody that it is that F1 can clean up your human rights situation, but that is that. But finally, predictions. Your thoughts, Kunal. I, I personally am going to go for a Carlos Sainz win once again, but this time I'm going to go for a Max poll. What about you? I would go for a Max Verstappen poll as well. He drove one of the most stunning pole laps, almost pole laps. Uh, at Saudi Arabia last year till literally, mm. you know, uh, kissing the barrier very hard uh, on the last corner. I don't even know if that's called a kiss. But anyway, yeah, punching the barrier. Okay, yeah. let's call it that, right? And uh, I think for the win, I will stick with Max Verstappen. I think he will mm. do what it takes. But I, I, I suspect Carlos Sainz will find a way to get ahead of Charles. And I, by, I think by the 15th or maybe even the 5th race of the season we are going to be discussing a potential fallout between the Ferrari teammates on them. Yes, and that's going to be a DTS episode next year for us to feast upon. But hey, that's all for today, folks. Join us post-qualifying after Saudi Arabia's qualifying session. That didn't make any sense, but you get the gist, right? But join us for that episode. We're going to do a quick race preview post-qualifying and just analyze what exactly went down there. So subscribe to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. Stay tuned, stay right here, although you can't stay tuned because it's a digital medium. But hey, be here, that's what I mean to say. See you folks, bye-bye, see you soon.